Thank you for downloading this in-ear entertainment podcast. You're listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets. Sonnet 106 When in the chronicle of wasted time I see descriptions of fairest weights and beauty-making beautiful old rhyme in praise of ladies dead and lovely knights, then, in the blazon of sweet beauty's best, of hand, of foot, of lip, of eye, of brow, I see their antique pen would have expressed even such a beauty as you master now. So all their praises are but prophecies of this our time, all you prefiguring, and for they looked but with divining eyes, they had not skill enough your worth to sing, for we which now behold these present days have eyes to wonder but lack tongues to praise that was sonnet 106 i i think i hope uh i am mark chatterley and i am joined as always by a quizzical looking Thierry Hulas. are you okay you were slightly confused by my reading it's it's a really weird sonnet i i didn't read ahead that far <laughs> i see i see you didn't expect us to do four sonnets today no, i see no but no. we always do four sonnets in a sitting. Yes. We ne- we never do four sonnets in a sitting. We used to, the early the early days. In the early days, when we were young and naive. Oh, blimey, that was like a year ago now, nearly. Yeah, that was a year ago. That's really weird. Not quite. Yes, no, yes it is. It is. Blimey. We've been doing this a year. Yep. That's a long project. It is. And, we, and we're, we're only t- um, two-thirds of the way. <laughs> Don't say things like that. That scares me. <laughs> They're never going to end. We're going to get to the last <laughs> one. And there's going to be a BBC announcement about lost Shakespeare's sonnets. And there's going to be another 250 to oh, go through. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Oh, dear. Sonnet 106. What do you think of Sonnet 106? Eh, it, it's it's slightly better than the previous one. Not the, the, the he got rid of the stupid um, repetition, and I like the <laughs> however you pronounce the word in the second line. Whites, whites. The, the um, apparently it was archaic in Shakespeare's time already. Yeah, it's it's kind of a very very old word for sort of the same phenomenon, I guess, as succubi and incubi. I, I, I presume sort of knight's monster that was that's, that's where my brain went what a dictionary is for whites I'm fairly sure it's been used in a lot of kind of those modern uh, um, supernatural grim kind of you know American let's plumage our cultural history and absolutely destroy it on TV with a with a teen thing and a guy who discovers he's got superpowers in his mid-30s because we need to make people in the mid-30s feel like they're special kind of TV show. <laughs> a living being. Is that Teacher, it? Especially yeah. a human being. Yeah, I, okay. So I was kind of right. So yeah, that's, what it, Mer- that's what Merriam-Webster says. I was thinking, yeah, m- human form monsters. Succubi, incubi. Those kind of things, but maybe maybe I'm wrong with the monsters bit. Possibly, but it's a good word. It is a good word. 
Well, I'm yawning. I apologise. That was very rude of me. I apologise, listeners. It's it's lovely. I quite like the next bit. Um, and um, and beauty making beautiful old rhyme in praise of ladies dead and lovely nights. I just I I like that. That, that poets have been, uh, you know, oh, I picked this person from history and write a poem about them and, and lovely knights. Because all knights were lovely. They weren't murderous, horrible people. No, no. They never went on crusades or, or uh, slaughtered entire villages for fun. And, and no. No, they were they were lovely. They were very lovely. And, and then in blazon of sweet... Beauty's best of hand of foot of lip of eye of brow. I see their antique pen would have expressed even such a beauty as you master now. I, it, it's really weird because it kind of starts by saying they wrote about your beauty, even though they didn't know you. It was all about precognition. And then it kind of ends with, but they weren't good enough. Essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. So Shakespeare has, in that way that. Well, the only parallel I can think is the, the, the way the Mormon church baptises people after death and goes, they're all Mormons now, like all the Jews who died in the war are now Mormons, according to the Church of Latter-day Saints, because they've been baptised post-death. And it's like that. Shakespeare's gone back in time and gone, all oh, the poets of the past, you thought they were writing about all these people. Really, they were writing about the fair youth. It's like retconning people. <laughs> I'm just going to let you absorb just, that just, idea just, for a just, bit. Just, uh, just drawing the parallel to the Latter-day Saints. Well, it's because I couldn't think of a, a real-life version of it other than that. Can you think of a real-life version where someone's gone back and essentially rewritten history in that way? Yeah, any any uh, dictatorship propaganda kind of, they go back and rewrite the history kind of thing. I suppose. Okay. It's not quite. I suppose but, it's not um, quite the same because the Mormons still exist, and these poems still exist. I suppose is why I drew the parallel. Yeah, and also the the Mormons. They don't. They didn't change the fact that they were Jews when they died. They were no. still Jews when they died. They just they they've been dead for however many decades, and and then the Mormons just kind of went, "Oh, we're going to baptize them." I'm fairly sure that happened. I hope I haven't just slandered the whole Mormon church. Um, it, it sounds like... I mean... It, they do that. I mean, um, was it... Um, the, the dude who tried to become president? Uh, uh, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. He, he, he had his father-in-law baptised or something like that, even though that dude was an atheist. Yes, which was just, just resulted in Bill Maher having a wizard. Um, he actually did his show dressed up as a wizard with the hat of the stars on and everything, <laughs> and, and, and anti-baptized Mitt Romney's dead family and made them atheists. That's that's brilliant. I, I've I've just found a news article from fifteenth February two thousand and twelve. Um, the Mormon Church has apologized after members of the religion performed posthumous baptisms into Mormonism on the dead Jewish parents of famed Nazi hunter and Holocaust survivor Simon Weisenthal. So yeah, yeah, it's not my brain making it up. It has happened in some way or form. I might not be exactly right on the specifics. They're a nice bunch, Mormons are. They, they lovely, lovely. There were two 
um, walking towards me the other day, and and I had my music on, and it was like, do 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 do, can't hear you, do 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 do. Don't want to get into a conversation because oh. Although the best one I had with was it a week or two ago when I was walking through town with my other half, and they just it wasn't a religious guy, but there's just constantly people trying to get money for you or something with animal rights or something. And the guy just walked towards us and just looked at us and went, oh, uh, are you friendly? And my other half just stared at him and went, no. And just <laughs> walked past him. And the, the guy just stood there and just stared at us. Like, oh, okay. Oh, my my favourite <laughs> religious encounter in um, Wales in Cardiff when he stood there is I, I really like, I find religions fascinating. And I find I find specifically weird sects of Christianism. Christianism. I find weird sects of Christianism very interesting. Um, and there's this one slightly weird sect uh, from America and they've got a group of people in Australia as well and basically they're the leader of their church have you ever heard of the Left Behind series it's a famous uh, religious uh, literature series about what happens after the rapture and it, it goes into what happens to all the people who are left behind and someone from this sort of offshoot church rewrote one of the books based upon the actual book of revelation and instead of because <coughs> the idea that all the christians avoid the horrible time on earth is actually not what's going to happen if you go by the book of uh, of revelation the the christians have to suffer for it it's like a test of their faith and so he rewrote this series from that and and there's a, it's a very small book and i found it in a charity shop and i read it and really it, the writing was atrocious but it was really fun <laughs> And I was walking through town, and this random person comes up to me, waving this book in my face, going, you should read this and join our church. And I just looked at him and went, I've already read it. And he went, no, you haven't. And I just, re- <laughs> I, I went through the plot, and he went, you actually have read this book. Like, yes, I have. <laughs> we exchanged emails, and then I emailed him a bit, and told him how I, I, the bits of the book I didn't like. And, and then he stopped emailing me. Oh. That's a bit like um, the, the scene in Black Books. Where um, um, the Dylan Moran Black, he just Bernard just 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 gets so desperate being alone, he invites the Jehovah's Witnesses <laughs> inside and starts talking to them, and they get scared because no one has ever invited them in, and they don't know how to handle that. <laughs> what what do we do now? There's, there's no training in the Mormon Church. It happens beyond the front door. Oh bless them. That has nothing to do with Sonnet 106. No, no. Sorry. Mormon bashing. If, if you are a, a Mormon out there, we, we don't mind. We, we get slightly annoyed when you come and talk to us. But I really mm. do want to know about your secret underwear. If you could let me in on that secret, I would love to know. But I don't think even the Mormons know why they wear that underwear. I, pff, they don't even... Because one of my friends is Mormon... And and they don't even have rules because they have the whole oh you can't drink coffee or tea kind of thing, but they don't actually have specific rules what you can drink. So so they, they okay. if you want to drink coffee or if you want to drink energy drinks you can drink energy drinks because they didn't have energy drinks in eighteen whenever the hell Jesus went to California <laughs> or where he went and and you can argue that our alcohol is completely different. They didn't have they didn't have Baileys in Shakespeare. In Shakespeare's they time, they yeah. only had beer. Yeah, so can you drink Baileys? I or don't Jägermeister? know. I think I think they they just the rule is don't nothing alcoholic. 
okay. or nothing that will make you lose your inhibitions. Oh, Which, to be are... honest, if you eat a kilo of chocolate, that you could lose your inhibitions. It's true. It's true. Just, I've just... often, on sugar rages, done things that I regret. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Well, we should get back towards Sonnet 106, really. Should we, yeah. should we go back to it? It's, it's there in front of me on the screen. It is. It is. I don't... Why, why does everyone have antique pens in Shakespeare's time? I don't know. Because he, he's talked about his antique pen quite a lot, and, and Death had an antique pen, and I think Time had an antique pencil, maybe? Um, they're all antique. I'm getting quite bored of that that metaphor. Maybe it's. I see their antique pen would have expressed even such beauty as your master now. I don't. Maybe it's not. It's not it's specifically antique. the pen. Is is just saying it, what they wrote is in the past, or what what they wrote in the past. As in, I see their antique pan would have expressed a, a, a more uh, the... Shakespearean way of saying, "I I see what what when they were alive, what they would have what what they would have thought." Yeah. Okay. That makes that kind As of makes not, sense. Not, not having a half rotten feather that you're writing with, but sort of what they wrote in the past. Yeah. Yeah. That that yeah that that can make sense, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I still don't like it. It's overused. I think Shakespeare it is, is overused. Is... Yeah. Damn Shakespeare. Um, but the... I still don't like the retconning. So all their praises are mm. but prophecies of all our time of this our time. All you prefiguring. The the only way I could I, I suppose I would like that more is if he was saying that the beauty of all these people, all these separate people, had been distilled into the fair youth. But it, that doesn't seem to be what he's saying. What he's I seems to be saying is them. They in were already writing, yeah, about you, yeah. That even though they didn't realise it, the beauty they saw was a portion of your beauty. And I don't know if that links back then to the hand of foot of lip. So this one person's. <laughs> eyes were the fair youth's eyes it was like the, they could only perceive a fraction of 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 the youth and they, it's, it's we can stay with religion it's kind of the modern take on polytheism the modern take of polytheism is there is a divine singular divine being but in humanity we can't perceive that so we split that singular down into many features so you have the the god of the sun and the god of the moon being night and day or the male and the female because we can't understand this abstract concept so we break it down into human terms and that's kind of the basis of at least some of the polytheism that i've studied Uh, and i wonder if it was similar to that it's these people in the past were kind of taking aspects of the youth the fair youth and so they were only seeing fractions of him Possibly yes, but it would still, as you said, it would still be retconning because they didn't realize they were doing it. Yeah, he wasn't a god. He isn't yeah. a god. He's maybe Shakespeare's kind of turned him into a deity, but just after the sonnet where he said he wasn't holding just, up his he, idol, he wasn't. Yeah, or, or just below a deity. 
a demigod. And and if if you write about an aspect of a deity, although if you have polytheism, you're aware of the polytheism. They didn't. Yeah. If you write about Poseidon, and then a hundred years later people go, "Oh, Poseidon is just one aspect of whoever the the, the new god is." You were still writing about deity, and 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 they were just yeah. writing about a very specific person. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and they've been. And and maybe they they called that person the most beautiful being ever. And Shakespeare's saying, instead of saying, it's the fair youth hasn't replaced anyone, yeah. sort of thing. Like Jove replaced um, Jupiter and Saturn and all those kind of people. Yeah, like, the fair because youth that's easier to just... do with something that isn't physical. Yeah. I wonder if, because by going down this line of thought, Shakespeare only had two options, which was saying that those people were wrong and that the people they were talking about weren't beautiful, which would be very hard because that's one lone voice shouting against all art and literature of history. Or to say that they were talking about this timeless person that he perceives as the most beautiful thing. So he's taken, I suppose, the sensible path that his insanity has led him towards. (laughs) <laughs> he's yeah. got to, he's got to a point with his delusion where there are just there's an absolutely completely crazy path to take or a crazy path to take he's got no sensible options anymore but then he could have just argued that the fair youth trumps all previous beauty I mean you can have that over the course of your own life you can come across people who you consider beautiful and then there might be that one person you'd run across where you just go t- just mind-blowingly beautiful and you just... <laughs> it, it it will lower your... Um, original view. Original view on, on the others. If you saw their beauty in the same way. And, and I suppose this comes back to the conversation we had two sonnets ago, three sonnets ago, is that I don't think beauty is an absolute. I, I think there are different forms of beauty. It, that that would only hold true if you thought the new person was beautiful in the same way you thought the original person was beautiful. It depends if we're talking about just uh, physical beauty. Well, no, I, cause pure... I think phys- I I think physical beauty can have multiple. I I because I, I can look at various men and go, "You're beautiful in a kind of." your old man sexy and then there are younger looking man sexy and then there's slightly chubby man sexy and then there's so there's there's different groupings and i couldn't equate one as being higher than the other so i don't think beauty is just a singular thing or even physical yeah, beauty but is a singular thing. i don't know i would say sexy is something different than beauty okay maybe maybe i'm confounding two ideas you you can be attracted to 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 ten people, or, or or find them sexy, but I don't know. Beautiful to me is just it is like the upper level. That I mean, several people can be beautiful. Yeah, but but it's it's not as easy, or it's not as easy for me to perceive someone as beautiful as it is to perceive them as sexy. 
I don't know. Maybe beautiful. Yeah, I, okay, I rationalize that... beautiful too much. It, it it has to be kind of an intellectual appreciation as much as a um, a physical appreciation. Whereas sexy, I can just go, nah, you're a bit dim, but you're <laughs> you have a really nice body. Or, or... Yeah. Okay. I I I'm not, I'm not sure. I I fully agree but i i i respect your difference of opinion that's that's good we we can't have another fight another have we had a fight <laughs> did i win don't 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 you don't you remember the war of uh, sonnet 32 to 37 <laughs> uh yeah but i won that i believe didn't i <laughs> that's that's how victors rule they just rewrite history <laughs> I don't. This whole thing that vi- that history is written by the victors. I think if I was in a country and I lost a war, but my country still existed, um, I would so rewrite history so we won or we let them win or we negotiated the peace. I think history is written actually by the losers. History is written by whoever mm. survives, regardless of side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm sure that the. The, there are still Nazi war criminals on the loose. We believe if they haven't died, they'd be quite old now. And I'm sure they tell stories to their family about how what they did was courageous and what they were striving for was right and proper. So their version of history hasn't been written by the victors. It's just been written by them. Victory is written by the survivors. That's bloody profound. That's probably the most profound thing I've said in my life. And I've said it while being recorded. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it'd be about war? That's a bit worrying. (laughs) I think you should read Sonic 106. I need to tweet that. (laughs) Yeah, quick, quick. Tweet Marcus saying things profound. History is written by the survivors. Yeah, regardless of side, yeah. That's that's what I think. I, I agree. We just basically silence. Whoa! Someone's just tweeted a picture of a giant dinosaur walking through some uh, from some train station. That's awesome. I w- I want a dinosaur to walk past me too. I'm going to retweet that. Sorry, this part of the podcast is just me and Thierry tweeting. It's just on Twitter. Would you like to read Sonic 106 now? I I will. I will. Okay. Thank you. Sonnet 106, when in the chronicle of wasted time I see descriptions of the fairest whites and beauty making beautiful old rhyme in praise of ladies dead and lovely knights, then in the blazon of sweet beauty's best, of hand, of foot, of lip, of eye, of brow, I see their antique pen would have expressed even such beauty as you master now. So all their praises are but prophecies of this our time, all you prefiguring. And for they looked, but with divining eyes, they had not skill enough your worth to sing. For we, which now behold these present days, have eyes to wander, but like tongues to praise. It actually flows really nicely. It does. It does flow very nicely. It's. It, I, I think I read it weirdly at the beginning, um, and it didn't seem to flow so well, but it does flow very nice. That was Sonnet 106 or 106. Still haven't decided how I'm going to say these. Um, uh, this has been Shakespeare's Sonnets. I have been Mark Chasley. You can follow and me on Twitter. Oh, 
I sorry, I interrupted. You in we how many times <laughs> have we done this ending? You I do my Twitter. And you just went silent for a second. It was Follow a Mark on Twitter at in your end or at Snufkin. Yeah. Uh, and do it right now. He's Thierry, and you can follow him at Sound of Seagulls. And he's he's very good, although he doesn't know what Sound of Seagulls actually make, which is I like can't make it, and I don't know what it's called. <sighs> You've, that's your homework. Cuckoo! <laughs> they do not make that sound. <laughs> oh dear! All right, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time for Sonnet 107. Bye bye bye. You've been listening to Shakespeare's Sonnets with Mark Chatterley and Thierry Hellis. This has been an In-Ear Entertainment podcast. To listen to other podcasts or find out more about In-Ear Entertainment, go to www.inearentertainment.com.